lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you? It's been a good week for me, and I hope it's been a good week for you. In the Jewish tradition, we are getting ready for our New Year's festival, Rosh Hashanah. And it starts Sunday night and goes Monday and Tuesday. And then 10 days later, Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. But I'll probably talk about that next week. So uh, rabbis get very nervous this time of the year. Why? Because we got to write sermons. Why? Because people come to services. Why? Because it's the annual convention of the Jewish people. And that's what we do. And we get together, and it's in the fall when the year starts. And, well, those of you who are Jewish, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who are not Jewish have Jewish friends, so you also know what I'm talking about. So I'm coming, trying to come up with sermons that will be not put anybody to sleep and, and challenge them a little bit and help them start the new year off right. Just uh, as a footnote before we begin officially, Rosh Hashanah, uh, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is the time when we are supposed to forgive others uh, and apologize to others, forgive others for what they've said or not said that caused us uh, harm and pain, and apologize to them for what we might have said or done or not said or not done to them that caused them pain as well. So to all my Jewish listeners, I wish you a Shana Tova, a happy and a healthy and a good, sweet, successful year, a year of no losses. That's not going to happen, but I can wish you that anyway. We Everybody loses something every year. You know that. And... Um, so uh, it's the beginning of the year, and we talk about losses, and I want to talk tonight about divorce. And I want to talk about it because according to the statistics that I read and you read, 51% of first marriages end up in divorce. That's unbelievable. It, it's, you know, it's, it's why I wonder why gays and lesbians want to get married at all, for example. Why should they get married when 51% of them are going to just divorce and separate? But it's what we do. We love them and we think this is forever. And this is our, in, in, Jewish, we say bashert, this is our uh, meant-to-be partner, and we're going to marry him and stick with him and all that. 51% of us are wrong, including me. I was married, and then I was divorced, and it was a very painful experience. 
So I have a couple of um, comments that I'm going to share with you, some that I've written, some that other people have written about divorce. The first one is called 15 Hard-Won Lessons You Can Only Learn from a Breakup. 15 Hard-Won Lessons You Can Only Learn from a Breakup. Now, before I even start, the title is fascinating because the title, I agree with the title, that is that you can learn from a divorce, from a breakup. I have a favorite quote that if you look on my website, griefok.com, you'll see that in one of the many blogs, the paragraphs, I say, we only learn anything about ourselves by how we respond to the losses in our lives. We only learn anything about ourselves by how we respond to the losses in our lives. Birthday parties teach us absolutely nothing about who we are. We don't learn life lessons from birthday parties or anniversary parties. We don't. We have fun. We get presents. People say they love us. And hopefully they do. And they're being honest. But you don't learn anything about yourself from having a birthday party. So the title of this, 15 Hard-Won Lessons, You can only learn from a breakup is an accurate and exactly true uh, perception. So let me share with you some of, um, this was written by a lady by the name of Brittany Wand for the Huffington Post. She's an associate editor and I assume she's divorced herself. It's darn near impossible to find a silver lining in a breakup. It's even more of a challenge to think positive thoughts when you're the one who got dumped. But if you give yourself time and dig deep enough inward, you're bound to discover that the breakup was not for naught. Sure, things may not have gone exactly as you planned, but at least now you have a better understanding of what you want and categorically don't want in your next relationship. And I would say... Even more, not only have you learned what you want in your next relationship, but you've learned more about who you are. Because let's face it, friends, when we get married the first time, we don't know who we are. We're in love. Hormones take over our bodies and we're in love. And we're not thinking with our brains. We're thinking with other parts of our bodies, and so we get married to the person we think we're going to be with for the rest of our lives, and half of us are raw. But you learn about yourself, so that hopefully your next marriage will be based on a true appreciation of who you are, you'll know much better who you are, and you'll be able to make your relationship last And it will be a true, loving, fair, equitable, compassionate relationship. I'll go on. That's what we were reminded of recently when a conversation broke out on Reddit, the website, Reddit, asking people to chime in with the most valuable lesson they've ever learned 
from a past relationship. Some lessons were logistical. Collect the stuff you really love prior to breaking up with someone. Or be prepared to kiss that George Foreman grill bye bye while others were a bit contemplative. Your happiness and validation come within, one Redditor respondent said. The conversation was so good, we decided to keep it going on our Facebook and Twitter pages. See some of the most interesting responses below. I'm going to read them to you. Then head to the comments and share. I'm not going to read the comments. I'll give you the comments. And then... Um, share the hard-won breakup lessons you've learned from relationships past. Well, you don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is listen to me, your grief teacher, and I will teach you everything you need to know about the lessons that you learned from a breakup. Number one, a relationship involves two people. I used to put all the responsibility on myself whenever something would go wrong. When her actions would hurt me, I'd think about myself and what I could have done better. In the end, I stayed in that relationship way too long. Well, I can echo that uh, because when I was married, and we were married uh, almost 20 years, and we have four kids to show for it, and, you know, I'm not unhappy that we got married. We shared some wonderful times with each other and as I say we have those four kids um, and then I started getting unhappy and I started that I feeling that I wasn't getting the love that I needed so I went to a rabbi because who do you go to fix relationships you go to rabbis that's what God put us on this earth to do to fix relationships to talk about it to help you so I go to one of my favorite rabbis who I trusted absolutely and who had done a lot of work in marriages and divorces. And I explained to him our situation. And I said to him, you know, I'm thinking about getting a divorce. And he said to me, what took you so long? I was shocked. He wasn't. He was, he wasn't, he was shocked that I was shocked. But he wasn't shocked that... Um, I was taking, I had taken so long to end this relationship. What took you so long? Because we keep thinking it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. I'm going to change. She's going to change. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to rebuild this relationship and peace will come to the world and to us. But in our case, it did not happen. I stayed in that relationship way too long. And after I spoke with him, I went back and I said to her, we had a long conversation. I said, you know, uh, there's part of me that will always love you. Don't forget that. There's part of me that will always love you, but I cannot stay married to you. So unfortunately, uh, she got a lawyer and I got a lawyer. And, you know, it ain't cheap, like we say. So we both spent a lot of money, and um, so we ended the marriage, and I ended up paying alimony and child support. You know the story. So his comment to me, what took you so long, is a comment that I will share with you. 
and ask you the same question. Some of you are on the edge. Some of your relationships, excuse me, suck, but you think they're going to get better. Well, they ain't going to get better. And a divorce is like an amputation. If you got cancer in your leg, and doctor says to you, you got to amputate the leg or you're going to die, you're going to amputate your leg. Well, if you're in a marital relationship with somebody, or any kind of relationship, and it's going south and it's not working, well, sometimes you have to amputate that relationship. That's just the way it is, or else you're going to be unhappy and hurt for the rest of your life. Number two, I learned to always keep my money separate and to have a backup plan. That's sort of like I'm saying that um, when you take a job, you always, that's when you start looking for your next job. You have to have a plan B because you never know. I've talked to too many women who have told me, well, he was wonderful when I met him. And that was before he started abusing me and hitting me and yelling at me and blaming at me. And I couldn't take it and I didn't understand it. Well, Maybe she saw it and didn't want to see it. I always ask divorcing couples. When uh, I don't ask them together, but I ask them separately. When you were under the chuppah, under the wedding canopy, did part of you know that this was not going to work? And you know what? 80% of the people that I've married have said yes. I had a sneaking suspicion that this was not going to work. I've been a rabbi 45 years. So let's say I did um, eight weddings a year. Okay? Let's just let's just average it out. So eight times 45 is 360 weddings, says my pocket calculator. So I have put together, you know, married together 360. 720 men and women, half of them are probably now divorced. They don't tell me about it. They move away from here, wherever we are. But that's the statistics. That's what happens. Okay. Number three, love is never settle. Never settle. Love is a verb. People are who they are. Don't expect them to change. I just, uh, I talked to you before I started with this article about Rosh Hashanah and the expectation is that we're going to change. We're going to become better people in the year to come. And we're going to atone for our sins and we're going to ask forgiveness. And next year is going to be better than this year. And my question always is, that's what you said last year. You said the same thing last year that you're saying this year. You know, I'm going to change. I can do this. I'm going to be a better person next year. And I've been here in this congregation 10 years, and I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. We are basically who we are. We're not going to change much, if at all. And so you deal with it however you can best. Number four, your happiness and validation come from within. 
relying on one person in order to feel happy is unhealthy for both parties involved. I had um, lunch with somebody today and we were talking about her life and she's a giver and she loves people and she's a wonderful person, but she felt like she never had any time for herself. And I said, that's because you didn't put on your oxygen mask first. You know, you fly from here to there and the, and the flight attendant says, if there's a problem with oxygen, the oxygen mask will drop down. Hook up your oxygen mask first before you hook up anybody else's, even your kids. So you got to take care of yourself first. And to think that somebody else can be the secret of your happiness and can validate your existence as a human being, it's not fair to the, per- to the, per- to the other person. And it's not fair to you. And when people do that, it, it, it goes down. The relationship goes down. All right. We got a little break coming. And I got much more to teach you after the break. So hang on. Don't go anywhere. Stay right where you are. And I'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the promised land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope. Available at Amazon and in Kindle format. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back, and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. This is Rabbi Mel again. We are talking tonight about divorce, and I am sharing some learnings from someone who was divorced, and she talks about 15 hard-won lessons you can only learn from a breakup. So, 
in 22 minutes, we haven't gotten very far on the list. Uh, we're on number four. Your happiness and validation come from within. Relying on one person in order to feel happy is unhealthy for both parties involved. So I was, I was telling you that I had lunch today with a wonderful woman, member of my congregation, who is not happy with herself because she gives herself away to her mother and her daughter and her friends and her husband and, and all that, and she doesn't have any place left for her. So I said, well, I'm glad you came to talk to me because there's an important lesson here, and that is you cannot rely on your spouse to be your best friend. You can't. I don't care what anybody tells you. I'm telling you the truth. You cannot rely on your spouse to be your best friend. Why not? Because you'll be talking and pouring out your heart, and he or she will say something that pushes a button. And you start to get into an argument. It happens to me and my wife all the time. Um, of course, I'm gentle and calm and all that. And so is she. But, you know, sometimes it happens. So that's why you got to have a village. you got to have a group of friends. You've got to get best friends. And you're not married to the best friends that you get. Because you can't be totally, totally honest with somebody to whom you're married, you just can't. You have them for other things, for vacations, for concerts, for sex, for, I don't know, whatever else people have when they get married, you know, but too often we treat them as our best friends. And, you, you know, if you can do that, God bless you. You're an exception, and I mean that in a good way. Most couples I know cannot really lay, lay down their hearts and say what's on their hearts in front of their spouse. It's just too difficult, and you lead yourself to get hurt. So you heard it. Number five, tip number five. I learned to cultivate me, my interests, my hobbies, and let the hobbies and interests I once shared with my ex fall to the wayside. I learned my own strength. Isn't that nice? She got strong after she got lost. She was married and she was divorced, didn't work. And it was only after she got a divorce that she could learn about who she really was. She began to have hobbies. Do you have hobbies? You know, do you even remember how it was before you got married? If you have kids, you probably don't, unless they're out of the house in college somewhere or older. Who remembers? Spend all your time raising kids so you don't leave yourself time for yourself. She didn't, but after she got divorced, she did. She found who she was, she found hobbies and interests, and she learned her own strength. Number six, I learned that loving someone and loving the idea of being with someone 
are two very different things. Oh, amen. She is so right. I know too many people who fell in love with falling in love. They fell in love with the idea of falling in love. Sometimes when all your girlfriends are getting married, when you're 22 or worse, you're 30, and you think the clock is ticking and you, you know, you're not married. So sometimes you will fall in love with the idea of falling in love. And the next cute guy who comes along is your candidate for being your husband. But as she says, loving the idea of being with someone and loving someone are two very different things. We love the idea of being with lots of people, but we don't marry them all, or sometimes we do, unfortunately. So we have to be very careful and learn that lesson. Lesson number seven. It's a big ocean with many fish. You'll find someone else. The heart is resilient. Well, I'm kind of 50-50 on that one because you know and I know that when we get married, we're in love with them forever in a way. If you make kids together, you see them at family celebrations. You see them at college graduations. You see them at weddings. Um, you may see them at other times, other celebrations as well. And it, and it, you know, hits you in the heart a little bit. So, yeah, there are, it's a big ocean with many fish, and you'll find someone else, but there's no one else like the first person you married. That's what I believe. She's not wrong. I just would amplify it a little bit. Tip number eight. Once you've broken up, cut off all ties with that person. Delete them from Facebook. Delete their phone number and send their email and text to a spam folder. Stay away from them and you'll move on quicker. Well, I didn't do that, but maybe she's right. Whoever gave this tip, maybe she's right. Maybe you have to make it a clean break. You know, there are people who say if you smoke and you want to stop, you just stop. If you're an alcoholic and you want to stop, you just stop. You don't do it gradually. You just stop. So she's saying, cut all ties with that person. Go cold turkey and cut them out of your life altogether. Now, given the society we live in and the fact that the person you married is still going to be in your group of friends and those whom you know, it may be very difficult to do that, because you're going to see them regularly, perhaps. Maybe you even work in the same office that they do. If that's true, then I'd get another job. Because you, you too close is not so good. You'll start to have fantasies. He's going to come back to me. I know he will. I'm so deliciously adorable, he's going to come back to me. Well, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but it doesn't happen. Most of the time. Number nine, always read the signs and beware of the red flags. They are there flashing and waving if you just pay attention. 
So I read a joke the other day. A couple is married to each other. And uh, wifey is uh, getting ready to do the laundry. And she uh, finds his shirt on the floor where he throws all his dirty stuff. And in the pocket, there's a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper is written Jeanette. So she's starting to get very nervous. So she goes to him and she says, who is Jeanette? Why did you write her name on a piece of paper? And he said, oh, he starts to laugh. Oh, it's Jeanette. You know, I went to the races because I like to go to the racetrack. And Jeanette was the name of a horse that I bet on. And the wife felt, all right, fine. It could be. He could be telling me the truth. So she went on and did the laundry and all that. And then uh, the day later, the phone rings and uh, she picks it up and she goes to him and says, honey, your horse is calling you. She's on the phone. Well, that was the end of that marriage, wasn't it? Because uh, he was lying to her. And often it's not what we do, but it's what we lie about. It's how we don't tell people what we do that gets us in trouble. So, you know, watch out for the name of the horse that you write in. If you're the husband, watch out for the name of the horse that you write in your pocket. Tip number, the red flags are always there. Pay attention. Tip 10, I am worth more than what I accepted from the person I loved. I can make myself happy. I agree with that. I used to think that couples that took separate vacations didn't love each other anymore, and he was having an affair, and maybe she was too, and the marriage was on the rocks. That's what I used to think. But now, after my wife and I often um, go our separate ways on trips sometimes or conferences or whatever, and we understand that uh, our happiness and our self-worth does not depend on the other person. And so if, if I uh, plan a Thanksgiving vacation with my family and she doesn't go with me, it's okay. It doesn't mean we're unhappy. It means I want to be with my family by myself. And I don't want any, uh, it's not that I don't love her, but I don't want any intrusions on that key relationship into which I was born. I have a sister and I have a brother and they both have spouses. And sometimes I just want to be alone with them. So uh, I can make myself happy. I could, you know, I can go off and come back. And she does the same thing. She goes and she visits her grandchildren three or four times a year. And I stay at home, and it's fine with me. It's quiet. It's fine. I can take myself out to dinner or not. I can cook at home. Like You know what I'm saying. So you have to figure out what works for you to make you happy. Tip number 11, I don't even think about falling in love again if your self-esteem is zapped post-split. Heal and love yourself first, then look for love again.
I'm going to tell you another, I'm going to give you another secret. The statistics that I read talk about second marriages. So a couple's married 20 years and then they get divorced and then uh, one of them immediately gets remarried. Well, you know what? Statistics say that that 70% of the second marriages end in divorce. Why? Because you, you, in a way, you're still married to the first guy. And you haven't healed yourself from the loss of that relationship. So how can you expect yourself to go right into another relationship when you haven't healed from the first one? It'll be a repeat of the first relationship, which just broke up. I have a good friend who, his wife died, okay? And he waited about four months, and then he fell in love with another woman. And I met her, and she was nice, and she was, you know, she, they were both in their 60s, in their late 60s, and she was beautiful, and he like to be with her. So a month later, he calls me up and he says, it's over with. I can't do it anymore. I said, why not? Because she wants to control me. She has to know where, I'm, where I am 24 hours a day. And I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. I have to give her a list in the morning, like an itinerary of where I'm going to be. And I can't live like that. I have to be free and independent and do what I do. And we'll get together for lunch or dinner or whatever. But I have to be allowed to be my own person. So she wouldn't let him live. She wouldn't let him be himself. So he dumped her. Now he's got another girlfriend whom he thinks this might be it. Because he's learned from the second one. Second woman he fell in love with, he fell in love with the idea of falling in love and um, his self-esteem from the death of his first wife was getting him and, and he had to do what he had to do. Tip number 12, there are 15 by the way. 12, being unattached is way better than being in an unhappy or unfulfilling relationship. Well, duh, of course it is. Those of you who are divorced know that. And those of you who are married and, and, and your relationship is unhappy or unfulfilling ought to know that. You know that. And you need to do something about it. And as I said before, if you have to amputate, you amputate. Just make sure you take care of yourself. You are entitled to be happy. The God that created us in his image or her image says you have to be happy. You're not put on this earth to be sad. You are not put on this earth to be sad. You're put on this earth to be happy. So remember that. Number 13, get your stuff before you break up. Right. Don't wait until you break up and then you got to. Take all your stuff with you. Just get all your stuff that you like. You know, you got artworks, you got books, you got whatever you got. And um, if you got 
bank accounts that are in your name, you make sure they stay in your name and, and uh, so forth. Get your stuff before you break up. 14, your wellness is more important than the relationship. Which is another way of saying hook up your oxygen mask first and then worry about anybody else's, everybody else's. Your wellness is more important than the relationship. And 15, and the final tip, the pain does go away, even though it seems so hard to believe in the beginning. Well, that was true for me. I'll tell you that, sports fans. I never thought I would get over this. And I had four kids, and they weren't happy with me, and I had to leave the city because I needed to find a job so I could support my family, etc., etc. So, but here I am. I'm happy. I'm in love with my wife. She's in love with me. Uh, we're fine. We'll be married forever. So those are 15 hard-won lessons you can only learn from a breakup. If they fit, if the shoe fits, wear it. You know, that's all I can say to you. And if you find yourself in one of these situations, you have to take care of yourself. All right, it's time for a brief break. So hang in there. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back, and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the promised land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope. Available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. just going over some life lessons from women who have divorced, become divorced from their husbands, and what they learned 
from these um, breakups. But before I go on, this are, you know, we have several segments in each show. And so before we, before I go on, I want to say a couple of, of uh, advertising kind of things and commercial messages. First of all, I have published two books. If you go to griefok.com, grief, G-R-I-E-F, ok.com, you will find my two books. The first is called In God Created Hope, and it connects grief, the layers of grief with biblical stories. So each chapter, I start with a biblical story that, that presents that grief and connects it to you. And then several years later, I published another book called uh, GPS for Grief and Healing, where I took a lot of the same messages, but I took out the biblical stuff. And I, I called it a GPS for Grief and Healing because when you are dealing with a loss, whether it's a divorce or a death or even the loss of a job or whatever, or a pet, you need a GPS to, to move on because we're lost. We don't talk about it. We don't learn how to talk about it. Our parents didn't talk about it. Our society doesn't talk about it. We're doing better, but the GPS for grief and healing is there too. So they're both written by me, and I'm proud of both of them. I love them both. I even occasionally still read my books, and I even occasionally still like what I wrote. So everybody asks me, what am I going to write in my next book? And I say, I have no idea. I'm not in the mood right now. If I get in the mood, then you'll know about it. So here's an offer I'm going to make. If you have a comment about something that you learned on the show tonight, uh, I want you to write me and tell me what it is. The first comment that I get, I will send you a free copy of a GPS for grief and healing. My address is Rabbi Mel, R-A-B-B-I-M-E-L, at Grief OK. Now, you, if you just say, I loved your show, that's not good enough. You have to tell me why you loved my show, or... Uh, I didn't like your show. That's not good enough either. You have to tell me what you didn't like. And so the first one that writes me with a I love your show or I didn't like your show because gets a free copy of my book. Second offer is if you give me some ideas for future shows, what you want me to talk about, the first person who gives me a new idea, I will send a free copy of this book. Okay. So two free offers. Uh, the first is if you call up with a response to the show and tell me what you learned from the show, why you liked it or didn't like it. And the second, what you would like for me to talk about, topics that are important to you that I have not dealt with yet, I want to hear about it. So the first one who in each category gets a free copy of my book, a GPS for grief and healing. The other thing I want to say is that there are people listening in who know people who could hire me to be guest speakers at conferences. 
And you've heard me talk, so you know I can talk, and you know I know what I'm talking about. And I'm a friendly guy, and I don't put off anybody, and I don't guilt trip anybody, but I like to teach. I love to teach. So if you know anybody who needs a guest speaker and wants to book me, I want to know. And the first booking I get from an email that you send me, you'll get a free book too. So there's some motivational uh, gifts that I have for you. Um, And I'm looking forward to it. Now, I talked about lessons that women learned from their breakups. Now I have something, um, 12 things men really do to get over a breakup. We've learned about women, what they do to get over a breakup and what they learn. Now we're going to learn 12 things men really do to get over a breakup. This comes from Women's Health magazine. They have a guy at the magazine called the Women's Health Guy Next Door. And he uh, writes every so often. And so I want to share with you some of the things that we men do, so he says, to get over our breakups. If you think most guys are so cold-blooded that they can pass right through Splitsville without stopping once for a good cry break, well, you're wrong. Life is hard for a guy in pain. And in the weeks or maybe months after your breakup, he'll probably spend a little time in each of the following 12 rest stops. First, get drunk and call our friends. Yeah, brother. We have feelings to talk about and we need to lubricate the process. This is how healing begins. I guess, Rabbi Mel says, that's what bars are for. A lot of healing takes place in bars, especially when guys talk to each other about their past relationships. Next, what, what's something else we do? We do something the ex would not approve of. It's frustratingly imperative that we prove this ex was a burden to us, holding us back from our fun time vices. You don't like it when we watch cartoons and eat cereal in our underwear at 3 p.m. on a Saturday? Well, you're not the boss. Similarly, if we want to stumble in drunk at 2 a.m. and crush around the kitchen while we make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, we'll do it. I remember all those times you complained about smokers. Well, we just bought a pack of cigarettes and we're going to smoke them until we're sick. Take that. Well, he didn't say very nicely, but you get the point. That divorce, in a sense, or even before divorce, the break of a relationship can free you to become yourself. Hopefully you'll grow to be a better human being, but who knows? Next. Stop. You'll love this. I love this. Stop changing the sheets because who cares? <laughs> That's my favorite on this list. Stop changing the sheets because who cares? That's what my wife tells me when she comes away. I don't change the sheets. Don't matter to me. I don't get them dirty. I just sleep in them. But (laughs) forgive me. It's not funny, but it is. So (laughs) 
they'll do that too. That's supposed to show that they're, you know, the man of their house, if not our house. Think about our other exes. You've poisoned our spank bank. And now all our best uh, worthy memories involve you. But ancient girlfriends, they're fair game. We can still kind of remember what they looked like. You'll forgive me naked. It's all the, well, never mind. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> I'm going to delete that one. Uh, but you get the idea. Okay. All right. And then the next one is watch porn. You know, guys like to watch porn. Um, okay. I'm not going to read that one either because it will embarrass some very nice people. Okay. Next, Facebook stalked you. Are you having more fun than us? It looks like you're having more fun than us. Why the hell are you having more fun than us? Are you not in pain? Now, that sounds nasty, but it's really very sad because it shows you that we're in pain, we men, we hunks, when we get divorced, we are in pain. And the problem is men don't talk about emotions, hardly ever. We'll talk about sports. We'll talk about business to our friends, our male friends, but we don't talk emotions. That's... Part of the reason why there's such a high rate of divorce, because women talk about emotions. Men don't care. They don't want to hear about it. Not interested. You got a problem, solve it. That's what I do at work, he'll say. So solve it. I can't solve your problems for you. Um, we don't we don't learn the lesson, we men, that sometimes when women try to talk to us about their problems, it's not because they're looking for a solution, but rather it's they're looking for solace, and they just want us to listen. But it's very hard for us to do that because we want to solve problems. And it's easy for us to think, well, you know, if we can't solve problems, then um, forget it, Okay. So he says Facebook stalk you and all that. Um, next, drunkenly make out with random women. Because men got to have women in their lives. We, we, you'll forgive me, fit together. Um, our first attempts at life back in the sexual wild will be awkward. Depending on the severity of the situation, for example, how drunk are we? We may even start rambling about you, about how you did us wrong and how you'll regret it after we've drunkenly thrown ourselves onto another woman. I'm totally over her, we might slur as we slosh more beer onto ourselves. I love only you now, we're tempted to say. That's what guys do. We drown our sorrows with liquor or sometimes alcohol. Get in better shape. Eventually, we realize we felt like garbage for weeks. It doesn't say garbage on here, but that's what I'm saying. And we've packed on a few pounds, so we hit the gym to work it off. But in the process, we realize, hey, if I keep this up, I'll get so fit, she'll wish she never left me. 
It's not necessarily want you back. We just really want you to back, want us back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. That's because we assume that, you know, being a hunk is what you really want. But if we don't have feelings and if we're not willing to talk with you seriously and discuss life on a serious basis, then it's not going to work. Okay, start to get over it. Eventually, we stop thinking about you all the time. By no coincidence, this sometimes happens around the same time we start to have feelings for other women. When we go on dates, we feel good about it. We finally don't feel like we're cheating on the eggs. We realize we're single guys in the dating scene, and that's not so bad. And I say to women, you do the same thing. You can do the same thing. Divorce frees you. Just remember that. You were, maybe you felt like a prisoner while you were married. Well, and finally, wish you the best. At some point, our morning is complete. We've gone from morning to morning. And we stop hoping you're miserable. You're a good person. You deserve the best. Even though we sometimes secretly assume that your new boyfriend has mommy issues. Seriously, we are glad things are going so great for you. We really, really are. So that's what some guys do to wipe away their pain and sadness. So we've talked about learning lessons from both women and men. And remember, uh, write me and you could get a free book. Write me what you liked about the show or didn't like about it. Give me a new idea and get me a sponsor or a, uh, somebody to invite me to give a speech or a lecture somewhere, and I'll send you a free book, Rabbi Mel, at Grief OK. Have a wonderful week to my Jewish friends, the Shana Tova. Have a wonderful, sweet, happy New Year. Good night, everybody. See you next week. again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week.